Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1995's Glory Days, spelled D-A-Z-E, tells the story of Jack Freeman, played by a young Ben Affleck in a performance that sets new standards for sourness and unlikability, <laughs> uh, and his four college housemates in Santa Cruz, California. They're facing graduation, and they make an attempt to prolong their carefree lifestyle before going their separate ways. And uh, this is a movie that we watched. Yes, we. we I, I watched it in its entirety. I was going to say, had you seen this movie before? I think that I had seen it in one of those, it's playing in the background at some house I was hanging out at at some point, but nothing had stuck. I had completely forgotten that Sam Rockwell and French Stewart and Spalding Gray were, were, all, were all in the film. <laughs> I, I had seen this when, like on video when it came out. I think Liam and I rented it from the convenience store down the street. I did remember French Stewart being in this. I did not remember Sam Rockwell, probably because Sam Rockwell was not a star at all when this movie came out. Right, right. And um, I, I would have known Spalding Gray because I was a huge Spalding Gray fan, but I did not remember he was in this movie either. But in general, uh, I found this movie... Not good. Yeah, I I, uh, I also found it not good. I found each and every one of the characters an unlikable prick who were not very nice to each other or <laughs> to themselves. Uh, I don't feel like any lessons were learned. <laughs> I don't feel like... I do feel like... I, I, I am going to say, like, you had mentioned Sam Rockwell. And that, I thought, was the one performance in the film that felt kind of naturalistic and I thought was good. I thought Sam Rockwell was like, like, you know, no one was great in this movie, but I thought Sam Rockwell was noticeably better. Yes. Than anyone else in the film. Yeah. He seemed like a sort of a gen generally sort of just going with the flow kind of guy. His, his mini rebellion is that he wasn't going to go with his girlfriend to live in an apartment paid for by his girlfriend's mom in LA and then was a dick about it for a minute and then decided to do it anyway, <laughs> which is sort of the running theme. They all are per they are every character is presented with a with like a, a, a new path and they rebel against it for about 20 minutes and then all just go and do the thing that they were they said they were gonna do in the first place. That that is part of this. Um I like I thought this movie was bad, but I thought it was bad in kind of interesting ways. Um, like I thought like what made this movie not good was like, uh, like indicative of like a larger problem with the world. And I thought, <laughs> I thought with this movie, uh, like the biggest strike against it is the film seems to have no idea that the Ben Affleck character is a thundering asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's just this pain in the ass who complains about everything and then graduates from it and his artwork is shitty does the film know that the artwork is shitty or is it supposed to, is he supposed to be misunderstood because the artwork is shitty we should say he's an art student and his final project is like a sculpture and 
you know, the art teacher kind of shits all over it and he gets very huffy about it. But I was like, the art teacher is kind of right here. Yeah, it's 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 he just sort of well, he's he's the character who just sort of slouches his way through everything. And he's like, but and he's, you know, he's rebelling against his parents paying for him to go to college and live in a shitty punk house, you know, like it's like, and that, and that, so it's funny that you say that because that was the question I asked out loud while I was watching the movie is, is the movie aware? Is he the hero of the movie or is the movie aware that he's a fucking asshole? I don't get the sense that it is aware of that because he doesn't, I guess he becomes a slightly less of an asshole at the end of the movie, but not in any way that matters. And I'll get, I want to get to that later. I think maybe the director and writer who's uh, rich Wilkes and he had written like, I think airheads, the movie where like Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler take over a radio station. And he wrote the jerky boys movie. Oh, jeez! Cause I think a lot of people like if you're in college and you're living in a big wacky house, with a bunch of colorful characters, you think like this should be a movie, but you're like too close to it when you're that young. Cause like I, one of my college housemates wrote a screenplay about our wacky college house, which he never made, but it, you know, it was, I think that's something people do where it's like, Oh, this is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of story here, but it's usually not a great idea. Although I will say, and this is probably a tangent we'll get on more later in the show. It was interesting to me that this movie came out in 1995, the same year that Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming came out, which is a movie that is essentially about the same stuff, but which is good in every way this movie is bad. It, it really does. There's a perfect parallel. If you, if you know, you can't, if you're a fan of the movie Kicking and Screaming, which we both are, and you're watching this movie, you, you're thinking, wow, the, the storylines do line up almost perfectly, except that. The, the characters in Kicking and Screaming, while flawed, are genuinely likable people who seem to genuinely like each other. And the the characters in, in Glory Days are fuck faces. It's deeper than that, I think. I think um, Kicking and Screaming benefits from having like one of the wittiest goddamn scripts ever written. Um, the perf- like Everyone underplays their performances in Kicking and Screaming, which I think works in that film's favor. Whereas I think a lot of the characters in this in Glory Days are more cartoony. And I think the character work like through dialogue in Kicking and Screaming is just so much better than in Glory Days. I like I think about Eric Stoltz's character, yes. Chet Chet in Kicking and Screaming, who's kind of this perennial student who's very pretentious and works at the townie bar and just is constantly changing majors and has stayed in school for like eight years. Like the way he would say and I'm paraphrasing myself here. <laughs> like that is a brilliant character detail. And there's nothing approaching that in glory days. Instead, you've got like French Stewart is kind of the Eric Stoltz character in this movie. And French Stewart is he's French Stewart. He looks about 45 years old. <laughs> you know, his, his big affectation seems to be his mug. It's just, it's, I, it's not a good performance, right? It's, it's, it, and it, it led me to the to the sort of the question that I I think about a lot. It's funny I've been, I've thought about this in watching a few of the movies that we've watched, which is whenever it seems that whenever the directive to the actors is to act 
punk, you're 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 never gonna you're never gonna make a decent film at that point because you just as the viewer, I feel like you want them to stop acting punk and just calm down and be themselves a little bit. And while they're certainly not acting as punk as say the punks in Thrashin who are not on camera for a single moment without somebody smashing a beer can in their head or doing some wacky dance or whatever. But these guys are just like, they're acting the way that I feel like punk kids would act when they decide to be punk when they're 14, but they're supposed to be 20 and you're maybe you're supposed to calm down a little bit and, and evolve into a sort of a more fully formed person by that time. And they're just not there. I think there's more than that to this. And um, I think these characters, uh, I would say the movie in general is kind of infused with this kind of mid nineties Vans warped tour view of punk. Like the soundtrack is just that shit wall to wall. And um, I, while I am a person who would consider himself a fan of punk rock music, I would not consider myself a fan of that particular strain of punk rock music. And I think part of that is because that stuff feels very safe to me. And there was always something about that stuff that was not, it was not what I liked about punk rock. Like what I liked about punk rock was that it had an emotional truth to it, like at its best, at its best, it was people screaming their emotional truth in a way that extended beyond their ability to play their instruments. Sure. And I found that tension. I still do. I find that tension really interesting. And it's, it's, which is why it's like some of my favorite songs are punk rock songs. But I find that kind of Vans Warped Her stuff, which uh, like, you know, like the Epitaph record stuff, which is all over this movie. Bands like Pennywise seem like very professional and very sort of like there's sort of a jockish element to it, which I it just never it never connected with me. And I know that stuff was very popular with a certain type of kid, um, but it was not what I liked. And, you know, it's kind of like kind of like how Ben Affleck's character has the faux hawk. And when he's collecting his cap and gown and the dude says, oh, your shirt says, hey, and he goes, it's a comic book. I uh, and um, the narration in this movie, my God, I hated the narration. Narration is hard to pull off in a movie anyway. Right. But this Ben Affleck character just, you know, pontificating, quoting Catcher in the Rye. I just <laughs> I felt like every note in this movie was off what you were saying about that that sort of era and brand of punk rock you're right it has this sort of sheen to it that feels disingenuous and the it's the same with these characters it felt it all felt weird and disingenuous and like the very worst version of what those types of cats would were like uh yeah it 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 failed on almost every metric <laughs> to to interest me the most interesting part for me was looking up some of the actors and actresses and realizing the different stuff that they had been in you know this this movie is packed with stars i think i was reading there were there are four oscar winners in this in this four future oscar winners in this movie there are a lot of weird cameos um like and, and weird cameos from people before they were famous 
you know, Matt Damon, I guess, is very famously friends with Ben Affleck. And right. he sh- he shows up at one point in a very small role wearing an I Stumped Jackie the Joke Man t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Matthew McConaughey plays like the sleazy rental car salesman. Um, Brendan Fraser plays like a dude on a bus who gets in an argument with Ben Affleck. Uh, Meredith Salinger shows up as a fan of the comic strip artists work. It's like there are uh, Alyssa Milano has, has kind of a meteor role than some of these other people I'm listening. But even even the woman, uh, Mary Warnov was in like Chopping Mall and Rock and Roll High School. And the, the woman who plays Jack's mom was on Out of Control with Dave Coulier, which I was that was the most fun part to me. Looking all that stuff up like IMDb and being like, oh, man, this is. This not to mention we had Gimli <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to I wanted to talk about John Rice Davies in this movie in this movie because like he actually kind of gives what I think is a pretty good performance too. Um, but he's not one of the college students, even though I feel like the writing in that subplot was per the rest of the movie like not great. Um, and, yeah. And, you know, I had a birthday this week, and man, it was a kick in the nuts when he starts talking to French Stewart and goes, I'm 48 years old. <laughs> My best days are behind me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's funny, Kevin. To, to, I, I, that happens to me all the time where when you realize that you're like, I'm now also 48. And you start to realize, like, like you're older now than the parents in the movies that we grew up watching, like like the dad in Sixteen Candles. I think he's supposed to be like forty five years old, and now we're older than that guy. It's not. I, I remember it was, that was one weird rite of passage when the next wave of teenage movies came out, like that thing. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, can't hardly wait. And you were like older than the kids in the movie. Like now you're a, a twenty year old, and the kids in the movie are they're having their teenage lives and we're older than them, but to, to turn the corner and now be the age of the authority figures is, is like, ah, oh, man, I like we're as, we're as old as, uh, um, the dad in pretty and pink <laughs> is where, where'd we make that left turn at Albuquerque <laughs> to get to this? Uh, so that was, and you know, speaking of the parental figures, uh, Spalding Gray shows up in this movie. Rhode Island, Rhode Island's own Spalding Gray shows up as uh, Ben Affleck's dad in, again, a scene that I thought was felt so emotionally false because his dad is basically at his son's college graduation and immediately starts laying into him like, why did you go to art school? And what are you going to do about a job? And my own mother and I... Put your dreams aside. It's time to grow up. Like, who does that at your kid's college graduation? Right. He he's still wearing the cap and gown. The the scene at dinner where he gets the weird the pig head, yes. and he's like hacking away at the pig head and and like just tearing the. It's such it's a, such a one dimensional performance that you start to think that like that person is mentally ill. Yeah. Like that's not that's not an uptight dad like giving his son what for for wasting his time in art school. That is a person who needs to be on some kind of medication. Like, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> like, like, I'm sure there's a way to do that scene 
where small and I'm in Spalding Gray, I'm sure could play passive aggressive. Sure. Where there's a couple passive aggressive comments and it's all subtext and said Ben Affleck goes to the bathroom. And when he comes out, his parents have walked out of the graduation dinner. Yes. Because they're so disgusted with their art school son on his graduation day. And theoretically, these parents have driven like a long way to see their son graduate so yeah you get the sense they drove all the way there just to yell at him and walk out on dinner like that that's that's behave that's concerning behavior <laughs> and i'm like i fucking love spalding gray yeah yeah i mean who doesn't love spalding gray but man that was it, it this, he, this it, i think is the worst thing he ever did it's impressive it's impressive <laughs> i was i i was i was sitting through that scene being like are you all right, man? Like if, if it would be, it would be completely on brand. If that during that scene, he was wearing like hospital pajamas and like a top hat and a monocle. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it was like the scene in the weird Al Yankovic movie that just came out where the parents said, well, Al, we think you should just, like give up on your dreams and yes. think and spend your life doing something you hate. And it was that. Only, yeah. Only, but it was not kidding. Only me. played not as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that that's, I think you're right that there is this sort of like arch nineties to the movie. That's been so, you know, that, that it's, it, it's, it, it's a construct in a movie that's that's been so overdone and parodied now that it's just oh, you can only see it as a parody. And, you know, it got me thinking about you know, like, you know, King and Screaming and PCU and all those other college movies where at the you know, at the end of the day, the people seem to be genuinely like decent people. And I couldn't get a handle on these guys. Like I, I think you did, too. I watched Kicking and Screaming like right after I watched this. I had seen it pretty recently, so. And, like, so it was very, uh, I was really struck by, there's a scene in Kicking and Screaming where uh, one of the characters' dads comes to visit. Uh, Grover's dad. Grover's played by Josh Hamilton, and his dad was played by Elliot Gould. And that scene felt very, like, naturalistic and about things to me. Yes, yes. A father and son having a conversation about... And still kind of navigate. I think at one point Grover says, like, I'm not ready to relate to you as a real person yet. Like, when his dad starts talking about uh, dating women. Yes. Um, and, but I thought, uh, but Jesus, in, in this movie, I was... It, it was rough. Uh, I... <laughs> one, like, this is just like a, a weird side note, but... Um, there's a pop punk band that was on Lookout Records called the Mr. T Experience, who who I did like. I thought they had like kind of fun, clever lyrics. And this movie is sort of like seeded throughout with references to that band, where um, like the cartoonist when they show the cartoon that he drew, and it was uh, and even Hitler had a girlfriend cartoon comic strip. Oh, all right, and that's a Mr. T Experience song when uh, Slosh gets up at the party and decides to sing with the band. He sings a Mr. T experience song. Now we are 21, um, which when I found out that this was the same guy who wrote airheads, something clicked for me because in airheads, the big breakthrough hit that the rock band want to get played on the radio, that they hijack the radio station for 
is degenerated by Reagan youth. Like that's that like the band song is this like old punk song. So his taste in music was maybe better than that is that is the the taste of music of the characters that you wrote well i don't know i mean there's a lot there's a lot of shitty punk rock in this movie and i did feel like i like i'm someone who really enjoys a a, like a perfectly placed kind of needle drop in a tv show or a movie and i felt like in this movie it was a like all the songs were samey so every needle drop had the same effect because it was like it was like right. you know the vandals or no effects or bad religion or whoever the fuck. Um, there was a new Bomb Turk song at one point when they were skateboarding, um, and I I do like that band an awful lot. Um, but I, I felt like like the needle drops were so samey that I was really turned off by it. It just felt like really artless to me. It was just like the guy the guy was thinking like this is a punk rock movie, so I'm gonna fill it with punk rock songs and that actually got me thinking about the relation between punk rock and movies and i think there's a difference between a movie that features characters who are punk rockers right which almost never gets it right and that a movie that is actually punk rock and i thought about this and the conclusion i came to is the most punk rock movies especially from the 80s have very little actual punk content. Right. Well, like, it's like I said earlier, it's like whenever you try to get your 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 characters to act punk, it just falls completely flat. It doesn't, I, you know. So like, I feel like Return of the Living Dead is a punk rock movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. They Live, which does not have a mohawk in the entire running time, is a punk rock movie. Robocop is a punk rock movie. Man, this is a perfect list so far. Yeah, Repo Man is a punk rock movie. Oh, yes. Like, Absolutely. I'm like, those are the punk rock movies. Like, this, which is about people who, you know, say they're punk rockers and, you know, chop down the multicultural art display to, for, I guess, reasons with a chainsaw, which no one gets arrested for or gets their, like... Uh, diploma rescinded for well it's 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 funny that you mentioned that because that's what the whole movie feels like is that there's no consequences for everything they're just these like they're sort of bubble wrapped in this world and living in santa cruz where they cut down the the you know the the multicultural statue and smash a bunch of shit and then just you know the cops show up and they don't get arrested they just you know, they they just the party ends and there's no they don't have to face any repercussions for any, any of the decisions they make. No, this, this movie is consequence free and it's trying to say something, I think, about postgraduate and we which and it doesn't succeed. And uh, at one point, like they even have the Affleck character talk about how John Belushi was a genius. He had the class to die in his prime. Um, and so if you're doing a college movie that's about wacky people, like, why are you inviting comparisons to Animal House? I thought was interesting because, like, Animal House, I think, is also a movie that's that's really well done. And, like, it's probably right. even more so than Kicking and Screaming, the best version of, like, I'm going to write a wacky script about my wacky time in college and, you know, blow things up for comedic effect. But, like, I think part of that was because Doug Kenny was at least 10 years removed from his college experience when he wrote that script. Right. 
so he knew how to edit. <laughs> he had perspective. And I you know, Doug Kenny's like more talented than the guy who wrote Glory Days, too. Um, but that I thought was really bad. <laughs> There's yeah, yeah. It's it's always funny, Kevin. There is a running theme for you and me where there's there's certain movies that are bad enough that it's not funny. And we don't we're just like, I don't know what to say, man. Like hard flip was like that, where after about 15 minutes, we were both like, I I don't know. I just don't know what to say. Well, let's <laughs> let's just... talk about the skateboarding, uh, because okay. at one point, uh, Ben Affleck, I don't even call the character Jack. It's just it's Ben Affleck. Um, ben Affleck. And the cartoonist character is who is like. Uh, all the girls love that character, but he doesn't realize that they're flirting with him is that character's story arc until eventually Alyssa Milano hits him over the head and they become boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, Affleck says to his friend, want to get a 12er and shred? And then you cut to the skateboarding scene of them, of the two of them or their stunt doubles skating down a hill as running on go by the new bomb Turks place. Michael, what did you think? About this scene, I uh, I I thought it, it it yeah much like I don't know it's just it's 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 not often that there's skateboarding in movies that I personally recognize as the skateboarding I grew up with. There's a very quick quick shot of a kid in like the establishing shot at the beginning of the movie. There's a quick shot of a kid skating at like a skate park, and it struck me that this movie came out in 1995, and skateboarding still looks very much in 2023 what that kid on a skateboard in 1995 looked like it it's it hasn't evolved very much stylistically it's still just kind of baggy pants and t-shirts and skateboards that are shaped like popsicle sticks you know in the 10 years prior to that it looked completely different but yeah the the idea of getting a bunch of beer and riding your skateboards like down sort of a drainage ditch type hill and then having the car conveniently meet you at the bottom, you know, and yeah, it just, again, I was just like, that's not the skateboarding that I grew up with that I know about the, you know, the idea of skating down a hill with a bunch of beer bottles in your hands. Doesn't seem very, it's like they were just on a Rango Tango devil may care spree that ended at the bottom of the hill. And then they got drunken in an argument with each other. And I, I just sort of didn't buy it, you know? Now, as with most things in this movie, it 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 did not have the ring of emotional truth to it. Right. And, the, and it's and that's the thing is that I think that a lot of times it's not something I can relate to. But the idea of skateboarding being this sort of passive thing that exists in the background in a lot of these characters lives just doesn't re- resonate with me. The skaters that I knew were skaters first skateboarding wouldn't be the thing you do to blow off a little steam after you've had an argument with it, it would be the skateboard would be in that person's hand all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for to have it be just this sort of like other passive thing that they do at, at one point in the movie just didn't read to me at all. Kind of like how, when they throw the dart at the clock and the clock stops time, it's a metaphor for yes. how they are trying to prolong <laughs> their college experience. And then when the dart is removed and the clock starts working again, that is when they are ready to move on with their lives. It's a, it's a visual metaphor, Michael. And, <laughs> I, 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 I blew right past me. I <laughs> uh, worthy of Hitchcock himself. 
<laughs> it was the sled, Kevin. <laughs> the baptism is yes. intercut with Michael Corleone murdering, ordering the murder <laughs> of his various mafia rivals. Uh, so you see he is saying he renounces Satan, but he is actually going down the path. It's it's very deep. <laughs> There's a lot with this movie that they, they yeah, it ends with them destroying the house. And I just kept thinking, like, is uh, they're not going to get their security deposit back. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and then, yeah, they all drive off to the safety of the uh, of the. Uh, the things that they all intended to do in the first place, besides, I guess, Slosh, who is sort of now he's the French Stewart character who's going to live in the next house and be the be the sage like older guy for the next wave of freshman kids. I guess. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that it presents what Slosh is up to as somehow heroic, which is like you don't want to be that person. Yeah, like there, there's something to be said for like not overstaying your welcome at like, like life is a journey and I get that you want to get like, it's there are certain times in your life where you're having a lot of fun and you don't want to move on from that. But if you stay too long, you ruin it. Life is a highway, Kevin. And slosh is going to ride it all night long. As Ben Affleck himself uh, drives his truck away and runs into the girl he's been stalking for most of the movie. And writes on the window in Sharpie angst for the memories before going away. <laughs> like I thought I couldn't hate the movie more. And then that happened. Can you imagine how good the person who wrote that movie thought that line was when they wrote it? Can you, can you try to like get in their headspace and be like, Oh, it's hard because I don't feel ha- I don't feel good because I'm like, someone put work into this and uh, you know, everyone I'm sure was doing their best to make a good movie. And so it, I, I don't have a lot of glee in being like, this really didn't work for me. On the other hand, I'm not going to pretend that this is better than it is. And I'm not going to pretend that I like had a visceral negative reaction to this fucking movie. But, <laughs> oh, man, the angst for the memories thing, especially yeah. like at the end of whatever was going on with him. And his ex-girlfriend, where I'm just like, are we supposed to be rooting for him? Because he's he's acting like an asshole. Right. When he when he confronts her like on the beach, he, you know, we I remember thinking, like, please God, don't let this be the scene where they get back together. Because the like the pitch, his pitch that he gives her is just it it's it's like, look, I'm an asshole, but I want what I want. So you have to be my girlfriend. <laughs> I was so glad when she was like, yeah, no, I don't think I will be your girlfriend. <laughs> and again, it's like, I'm going to go back to kicking and screaming again. Uh, you know, you look at the, say the, the aftermath of Grover and Jane breaking up when Jane goes to Prague and like Grover's not his best self there. No, certainly not. I think in like in romantic relationships where your emotions are running high, especially when you're young, I I don't think I think everyone has had moments where they're not their best self. And but like the Ben Affleck stuff is so unbelievable. Like in the Grover Jane stuff, like Grover's acting really selfish because he's making it all about him. Right. And then he's like not returning your phone calls because he doesn't want to deal with it. But like those are all kind of I felt like realistic portrayals of how 
someone would behave in those scenarios. Right. And and you also get the sense that he learned something from that and and is eager to to sort of move forward. So I guess maybe our recommendation is for the movie Glory Days, watch the movie Kicking and Screaming. Yes, not the Will Flair Farrell soccer comedy from the 2000s. This is a, uh, there's a 1995 uh, independent comedy, which is streaming on Netflix now called Kicking and Screaming. And if you haven't seen that movie and you want to watch a movie about a bunch of dudes graduating from college and having a more difficult time than they should moving on in life, that movie is excellent. And Glory Days, which is about the exact same thing, is not. And but unfortunately, there was some skateboarding in this one. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Couldn't couldn't like Skippy's character and just like skated by and, and on a skate for like for one second. And what if couldn't... Friedrich skateboarded? Yes. Who knows Miami? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a jelly shot, Miami? Grape. Grape. <laughs> oh, man. That, like, I forget. So, like, it had been a couple of years since I watched Kicking and Screaming. And I forget, like, how much I love that fucking movie. It's so good. It really is a very, very watchable movie. Yes. It's- and I think uh, just a lot, like... The, the, you know, I mentioned the script is so witty. Like the, the attention to detail and character in that movie is so well done. I was reading that, uh, I think in the original script, Chet wasn't in there, but the producers, um, had some kind of relationship with Eric Stoltz and they were like, okay, we'll fund your movie, but you have to find a role for Eric Stoltz. And so he wrote the character of Chet for Eric Stoltz and like it made it so much better. <laughs> Yeah, well, he. I I think it's it's a necessary character. He's just a little bit of the he- ahead of the curve in some ways, and can just comment on what's going on. But 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 at the same time, he's still right in the thick of it. Like he's, yeah. you know, the when uh, they're confronting Max about sleeping with Miami before Skippy's there, and like Max is getting defensive and is like. I can feel you judging me, Chet. Stop, stop cleaning. And Chet goes, well, he'll do what you want, but Skippy is your friend. And he goes, <laughs> shut up. But as, as like Chet says that, he does like a little guitar thing with the broom. He's yes. like, I'm like, knew exactly what he was doing there. <laughs> ah, bless you, Stoltz. And like the Carlos Jacot stuff. Is, oh my like, God. Is, is a li- I mean, that's a little cartoony, but it's also like, it's not overplayed. And it's it totally works. Yeah, you can imagine. I can almost imagine a scenario where they came into maybe rehearsals at like a a seven, and Noah was Noah Brombach was like, "We're good, guys. We're gonna dial it all the way down to maybe a three here." Yeah, it's well because um, like he cast Chris Eigeman, who was in those Whit Stillman movies, and who's doing like very similar stuff to those Whit Stillman movies. So maybe the like maybe he said to him like do that and everyone sort of caught it and maybe like showed the metropolitan is like i'm going for this yeah um because it's it's pretty similar and like stoltz seemed to everyone seems to like clock right into it like you know parker posey's recognizably doing a parker posey performance but like she fits in with it yeah it's fantastic oh man so and uh like the flashback stuff with jane i, I thought really really hit me this time like how that is kind of interspersed throughout the movie 
like the beginning of their love affair. Like, right. Right. Like, and how it just sort of ends on this like moment where he says he wishes he could kiss her. And it's kind of an unspoken like look she gives him, but I was like, it's so well acted. It's it's exactly what's going through her head. Yeah. It's a very charming film. Oh, I love it. I don't think he's ever made anything. I mean, I people I know people say Squid and the Whale and stuff is better, but I don't know if I would say it's better. I think that's his that's his doolittle. Yeah. I haven't seen uh I haven't seen Marriage Story. Neither have I. I also haven't seen Francis Ha. France I loved Francis Ha. Loved, 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 loved Francis Ha. How surprised was I when I found out he uh co-penned the Barbie movie? Yeah, well, because um, he and Gerwig are, are in. Yeah, I, I I saw that in the in like the the previews. I saw his name. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? That's that that that'll make me want to see that movie." I yeah, guess. <laughs> I think I think you should watch Francis Ha. Yeah, I think Francis yeah. Ha is. Um, I think Greta Gerwig had a lot to do with that movie too, but it's a really well done sort of. It's a like a movie about like a flawed character figuring her life out, but it also like has a lot of empathy for her. Like it's not, it doesn't like hide her flaws, but it also like doesn't hate the movie doesn't hate her. Like it's a right. really well done movie. I'm I'm going to check it out. I think that's on Netflix too. So word. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleaming we're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, Twitter and Instagram at Gleam the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. I will, I will admit that if I seemed a little distracted, uh, it's because your cats were doing very, very cute things in the background on the stairs. And I kept my eye just kept getting drawn to those those cats chasing things down the stairs. So <laughs> that's my caveat.